Crowpod contains language and themes which may not be suitable for anyone, but what is suitable for everybody is the great stuff from our friends at the famous iconic wear for bears. Go check out the famous uk. Great stuff over there. And if you want to win some stuff from them, scroll down, hit the buy me a coffee link in the show notes on this episode that you're listening to right now. We give away stuff from them every single month here on the Crowpod. So check them out. The famous uk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Crow Pod, another special edition here, and I'm just I'm dragging out all the Americans for, for the special podcast this week. Is me, me and our buddy here. If, if you listen to Heart and Hand, you're going to know Ingram's voice from the American Sports Show. But we we've been kicking this one around for a little while to actually get on and talk about well why why we love watching uh, well at least until recently unpaid. 18 to 22 year olds run around and play uh well American football on the weekends. So we're, we're finally here. We're doing it. Ingram. How the hell are you, buddy? Yeah, man. Excited to be able to join you and talk, uh, talk a little college pick skin. So this will be fun <laughs> and uh, something that I'm always a fan of doing and something that even when I'm doing like an NFL podcast on heart and hand, I try to, or rather try or intentionally, I normally find myself resorting back to, uh, to the Saturday play. So uh, happy to talk about American college football with you. This should be fun. Yeah. So uh, well, for people who don't know, Ingram also hosts, it was a Nolcast, right? Is it your Florida State football podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I've done the Nolcast uh, pretty much as long as David has done heart and hand. There's some parallels there. Started in 2008, 2009 or so. And um, Fuck, you're, the- you're even older than Crowpod. Look at that. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. I was in the space <laughs> early and uh, been very fortunate. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, this is a weird one, and, and I'm happy to say um, it's, well, it's easier for me when Tennessee football is actually good to get people involved and engaged in it, and th- this season has been nice to watch. Josh Heupel, a name I'm sure you uh, would rather forget, uh, being the Florida State fan that you are, but, uh, you know, he's, he's come in, he brought a very good brand of, of football to, to UT, and of course, you being a Florida State fan, I mean, we're, 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 we're well, two two of the most storied, most recognizable uh, college football programs in the country. I mean, the, the, these are two of the absolute legacy teams. I think what we're we're sixth or seventh all time in wins, and you guys aren't too far behind us. I don't I don't think right. Yeah, no, I don't think we're all that far from a Florida no. State perspective, all that far behind you, which is more impressive from a Florida State standpoint that you didn't start playing the sport until the, the mid-50s. But Tennessee is a, a blue blood of the sport, undoubtedly, and has some of the more recognizable names in the sports history when you look at some of the coaches. And uh, it's just it's fantastic to see some of these marquee programs uh, kind of find their footing again. And I had David on the Nolcast about two years ago to just give people an idea as to what it's like to be horrible for a prolonged period of time. <laughs> yeah, after, after being so good to, to yeah. Yeah, be shit for a while. <laughs> uh, so if they didn't want to listen to me, I brought on a Scottish accent to tell them what it was like <laughs> to be horrible for a couple of years and how you're just going to have to go through it. So uh, I don't know that Florida State's completely out of those years of uh, of mediocrity and and pain, but there does just seem to be some kind of line 
at the end of the tunnel. And so far, we've confirmed that that light is not but a 18-wheeler driving at us. So um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can assure you, as, as a Tennessee fan, there are definitely uh, false starts to the end of the cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, it will always take longer th- than you want. And it, Well, I mean, for us, you know, uh, we were talking right before we got on here. I mean, really, the, the, the challenge is these, these upcoming – games in our schedule because well i mean lsu obviously on a down down situation but they're still fucking lsu you know and uh well we've of course got alabama and georgia to contend with who are well just they are college football right now i mean that's if you want to win you gotta get through them at some point and um you know we, we've come goddamn close with bama the past few years uh, you know we knocked off georgia with a with a Hail Mary, but, um, it's, uh, well, it's doing that consistently. And, you know, our, well, you know, I, I, I think, I think Ingram, maybe one of the best ways to introduce college football to people here is with, of course, the, the iconic, the legendary Keith Jackson calling, calling the game. And, you know, j- just to hear uh, again, you know, it's, it's, it's a unique experience. And I think it is more like, football in Europe because you know that these clubs aren't ever going anywhere. You know, it's, it's a, it's a much more social dynamic identified with a town or a region. It's not the franchise system that we have in our professional sports. And again, you know, Keith Jackson was fucking perfect at this. So let's, let's, let's get a listen to, to one of the guys that really brought college football home to, to generations of fans here. P Martin has been put on the ground 11 times tonight. As many times as usual when you're playing Florida State, that ball going down the sidelines is caught. Here's Price. It's touchdown. There's no flag. The longest play of the year, 79 yards. Now, now Ingram, McCoy, I mean, I just randomly picked a. a, a call from Keith Jackson there and you know it's I, 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 I mean does that one hold any significance to you whatsoever yeah this dickhead just ambushed ambushed me from the the 98 uh, national championship game there 99 98 national championship game where yeah. Tennessee beat Florida State you should be a uh <clears throat> <laughs> was it Patrick Kearney the UVA of uh, defensive end previously lacrosse player but he uh broke Chris Winkie's neck in the second to last game of the uh, college football season. Chris Winkie was a Heisman Trophy winner and talented player, and it meant that Florida State had to play Florida, which they managed to beat Florida with a backup. But University of Tennessee was a bridge too far for the rooster, uh, which was what Marcus Alton's name was. So, yeah. no, but no, Chris Jackson uh, or Keith Jackson, uh, Chris Jackson. <laughs> uh is is synonymous with the college game and college football is brilliant it's hard to appreciate from afar uh other than it is very similar to the relationships that um you know european and and uh and british people have with their their football clubs and you make up a great point that they're not transitory they're not going to relocate to la or brooklyn or anywhere else um and that there is much more of a kind of a generational tie uh, to these things where you'll grow up, you know, with your grandfather going to games and, and your father, et cetera. And it's uh, it is brilliantly American, particularly the fact that, uh, you know, contracts and TV money have gotten involved and kind of ruined it over the last 20 or 30 years. And that we, you know, love our, uh, our forms of unplayed, unpaid labor when we can get it and <laughs> exploitive. Yeah, that, that, that's a systemic thing in the yeah, United ex- States. Exploitive I do in as many ways as possible. Uh, but it is still a incredible sport that captures the, you know, pro sports are certainly great and they have their pockets of enthusiasm, but I'm, I'm not sure that there's anything that's as deeply supported and as passionately supported in American athletics as, as college football is. No, no. Well, you know, we kind of, we pegged a few questions here and obviously, you know, they're, they're a guideline for us, I think, because I mean, well, this is pretty much going to end up being a one hour advertisement for the University of Tennessee and Florida State University football program. So uh, if you've been looking for a team, settle in, I'll tell you which one's the right one at the end. But <laughs> no, we, 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 went, we threw together a few questions. And like I said, just just to lead us, see where we're going here. The, the, the first one, I mean, 
the first one is easy. You know, the, the, the first college football game that you ever went to. Yeah, the first game that I ever went to uh, was a actually a Georgia Tech and Virginia game. I'm from Atlanta. Uh, my dad's family's from the state of Virginia, and, and uh, a few of them went to Virginia. Um, and that was in the late uh, 80s, early 90s, actually, when it's both of those programs were, program. yeah. were yeah. very good. Uh, yeah. I think in 89, I think Tech played Virginia when Virginia was number one in the country. So yeah. Tech won a national championship in 90. Uh, this is a nice little high water for them in Georgia. Uh, Virginia was a very good team. Uh, I believe those were the um, – oh, gosh, the coach I'm, I'm blanking on, but oh, it doesn't – uh, George George Way? Is that a George? Yeah, sounds, not, yeah, sounds, I don't know. Yeah, George I know Way what you're talking a, about. Yeah, he was we're, a great we're, striker. Yeah. But, yes, um, yeah, not, not that one. But, yeah, yeah, not that one. That one. Uh, not the <laughs> – the one whose son is not quite the player that uh, that we had hoped would be from a national team perspective, not yeah. from a, a brief loanee so, perspective. Somewhat lacking there. Yes. Um, George Welsh, I think, was there his name. There we go. Yes. But, uh, yeah, no, that was the first one. First TV I ever saw. I remember when I was very young, four or five years old, I remember watching Texas A&M on television late with my grandparents. Um, and then the first time that I ever went to a game where I was like, Holy shit. Uh, I went to see Florida State play at Florida in 97. Um, I hate that hellhole. And uh, God, that was that's... when UF was at their peak. Yep. And that stadium uh, was as loud as anything that I've ever been to. And honestly, Shane, if you did anything, anything other than stand up, golf clap as a Florida State supporter and sit back down, security threw you, threw you out of the state. Uh, <laughs> it was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have never, well, I've never enjoyed a trip to that fucking hellhole, obviously. Uh, it, you know, that, that era was right before mine. That's when Peyton couldn't beat Florida because mm-hmm. well, you, you can't spell citrus bowl without UT. Yes. Um, yeah. The Peyton Manning famously could not get by the university of Florida. And of course it took T Martin to win us a national championship, but yeah, I, I, Oh God, I fucking hate that stadium so much. <laughs> What was your first game? Uh, first, I mean, obviously, I grew up in Big Ten country outside of uh, outside of Chicago. So again, you know, as far as the television, it's just ubiquitous. I mean, you've got obviously of Michigan and then Illinois and all the all the schools around here, and uh, of course Notre Dame football is mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, that's a whole separate issue. But uh, no, I, uh, DeKalb, Illinois, is of course home to Northern Illinois University, and uh, well before. You know that they would lose to uh, well, Florida State, right? In a in a Fiesta or Orange Bowl, wasn't it that they played you in that long? Well, Two thousand twelve so. Orange yeah. Bowl. Yes, yes. yes. Um, the years prior to that, NIU not quite the that same level of a program. It, it, it typically was a um, you know you could call to see what time the game was supposed to kick off, and they would ask you what time you could be there, <laughs> sort of a thing. And that they had, a, I think, at one point. Uh, they might still have the longest losing streak in the history of, you know, the, the, what was division one a is now whatever the football championship or FCS or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, but, uh, they, they finally, I don't think it was my first game, but it was definitely right in that midst, you know, in in the early nineties and they had knocked off, (laughs) I think, I think it was Eastern or central Michigan, one of the directional Michigan schools to end this losing streak. And, you know, it was pissing down rain. It was late November in Northern Illinois. It's probably 38 degrees. It's windy as shit. And they finally knocked this team off. And uh, I remember the, the, the 200 or so students that actually braved the whole game, of course, tearing the goalposts down, Carrying them four miles to the lagoon and throwing them into the lake. So that I feel was like that was an activity that used to happen a lot more frequently than yeah. maybe it still does. But yes, uh, DeKalb, yeah, I mean, Illinois. I, I, well, I saw some great, you know, like this. This would have been during the good K State years. Um, the the real real peak, you know, K State mm-hmm. just whipping the shit out of people years because they didn't play anybody in conference. And uh, so NIU did like a four a four game series and folks like what will happen is you get the, these bigger schools will play out of conference schools on, on a, on a series. And basically the big school pays the little school money to, uh, well, hopefully lose. Although a couple teams learned that lesson this year, the hard way that sometimes they don't just quite roll over, 
But uh, no, NIU was more than happy. I, I remember one year at the end of the third quarter, it was 73 to nothing, K-State. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there, there was a lot of that in the early years of, of Northern Illinois football. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, of course, the, the big one, uh, well, I pretty much picked the University of Tennessee out of the hat. And the first time walking into Neyland Stadium, that's that's a damn sight different mm-hmm. than uh, Brigham Field in uh, <laughs> DeKalb, which, you know, it's it's a good size stadium. It holds about 30,000 people. But uh, yeah, Neyland Stadium's a that's a that's a different beast right there. <laughs> yeah, Neyland and and the big house in Michigan routinely kind of bounce back and forth as far as the largest stadium in the uh, in the country, with each kind of having somewhere around one hundred and nine to one hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, we we, we 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 pulled some seats out now. I think we're 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 happy not playing the uh, the game with Michigan and. Penn State and Ohio State anymore. We, and we, Texas we, A&M's throwing their hat. Yeah, they're, they're right up well, Tiger uh, Stadium in the uh, Baton yeah. Rouge, of course, LSU. Well, and even Alabama kept adding, although I think they're, they're kind of out of room. I, I'm not sure what more you could put on Bryant-Denny. To, well, I say that, and they'll find 6,000 yeah. more seats. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll find a, <laughs> but a I mean, well, I mean all, all these stadiums right here, you know, as he was talking about, Michigan and Michigan's the only kind of weird one because it's just fucking – have you been there? I've never been there. Um, it's weird. <laughs> it's it's just built into the into the ground, basically. Yes, you don't, it, you don't it, it really have an idea that you're out. walking around a stadium that is of the size that it is. Um, yeah. But I'm happy to hear that you guys have pulled back from the the 200 seat edition uh, arms race that was going on there for yeah. A I, we we find well because we took out a lot of bleacher seating on the on one side of the stadium to put in like actual physical seats. So yeah, I, I, we're down around a, only a hundred and two thousand people or so only, in Neyland Stadium yeah, now. Only yeah. hundred and two. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, well, and this, I mean, all the biggest stadiums in the country, the biggest stadiums in the Western Hemisphere, with the exception of what the Americana and um, uh, the Azteca, I think, are all college football stadiums <laughs> i mean they're madness yeah. yeah yeah well i'm trying to what, what don't doke walker where your guys play it's still about eighty thousand or so isn't it uh doke campbell is or doke campbell, uh right. doke it was campbell. 85 five and kind of what you're talking about they redid a a they, they basically added some more not club seating but kind of souped up seating take took it down to 79.5 but that's okay. that's kind of the the trend in general with with TV numbers and you know the 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 sixty inch um, mega TV that seemingly every American living room now has in it and Tallahassee is a uh, a wonderful place once you get there but it's it is in <laughs> fact the most um, it is the most uh, kind of uniquely tough to get to uh, college stadium in the country where there's one town that's about uh, well, that's Jacksonville, Florida. That's about two hours, and every other city of any significance about a four and a half hour drive uh, yeah. from it. So it's it's rather remote and um, and unique. Uh, DeKalb, Illinois. To go back there real quickly. De- so, De- oh, it's, it's DeKalb up here. DeKalb, DeKalb. yes. Uh, <laughs> not not DeKalb County like it is down no, here in Atlanta. No. <laughs> so home of uh, barbed wire and yes. Cindy Crawford. Uh, yes is my understanding so, yeah well yeah there, there's some so i'm from sycamore which is the county seat of dekalb county and okay. they're, they're still i think we kind of let dekalb have the barbed wire thing just so they shut the fuck up <laughs> but but all the people that actually financed it and uh you know engineered it were from sycamore so we'll okay uh, yeah but we'll give it uh, definitely cindy that you know i, I she, she, her whole family i thought they're great fucking people but still in town down there but uh hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Cindy I uh, <laughs> I was a wrestler in high school, and for whatever reason, we spent three years in DeKalb, Illinois, uh, at a for a wrestling tournament immediately after Christmas. So I am uh, bizarrely familiar with that little <laughs> neck neck of the woods up there. Yeah, almost died trying to make weight in a sauna one year, but uh, you know the, the fun things we do for high school athletics. Yeah, well, and you know, I think I, it's one of the things too with, with college. I mean, with college football, I mean, how unique what well, the stadiums are, you know, from, from team to team and then the conference to conference or whatever. Again, you know, you've got these seven or eight, seven or eight 
colleges that all have the hundred thousand seaters, you know, right up there at the top. Like I said, tech, Texas, Bama, uh, LSA, Texas, A and M of course is right in there. Cal field is fucking ridiculous. Now, um, the, the, the big 10 ones and then, the the Neyland, but you know, it, there's so many of the, of the nicer ones. Um, you know, if I, I mean, we just go to the second, second one here. I mean, fa- favorite stadium, not counting our own, obviously. Look, I I fucking love Neyland Stadium. <laughs> and I, anybody ever wants to go to it, if you're listening to the show, hit me up. I would be more than happy to take a trip down to Knoxville to go watch a game at any time. But I mean, what what's what's one of your favorite stadiums that you've been to outside of you know your your home there in uh, Tallahassee? Yeah, I think Doe Campbell's great. It's uh, I think second to the Great Wall of China as far as a brick uh, structure <laughs> in the in the country. Just again, some bizarre sentiments that are or are, are statements that get attached to these college football stadiums because so much so much stupid fucking money goes pouring into them. But um, I mean, I love Grant Field, uh, Georgia Tech Stadium here in yep. Atlanta. It's old as hell. Uh, it is very unique going to a night game at Grant field or Bobby Dodd stadium is it is one of the pinnacle college football experiences for me. In my opinion, there's nowhere else where you get that high uh, level of a game where you get a, you know, an ACC game or a Georgia Georgia tech game or something like that. That's played that centrally located in a city. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, if you were to tell me like three bucket list, I'd definitely go to Baton Rouge for a LSU game. Absolutely. That, horrifyingly loud. Jesus yeah. Christ. That thing is, Oh my God. It's, I mean like Neyland is loud, right? I mean, don't get me fucking wrong, but there's, there's something with how that fucking place is built that it is. Oh yeah. Man, yeah. And, and you, you know, you've got 85,000 or 95,000 people and, and legitimately 61,000 of them are blackout drunk. Uh, yeah. just insane. <laughs> um, so that definitely adds to it. And I would love to go see more. Um, you, I'm, I'm spoiled in the fact that I've worked in sports media for 12 years or so. I've, I've gotten to see almost everything in the South, uh, yeah. but I would love to go see, some big 10 stadiums. I'd love to go see a whiteout game at, at Penn state. I'd love to see uh, Ohio state, Michigan. Um, I would like to see more of, uh, of some of the larger stadiums that the big 10 has to offer. But uh, no, I really love Grant field, uh, Chapel Hill stadium. Keenan uh, stadium is really interesting, uh, beautiful. And uh, UVA is snobbish and elitist and all the things that UVA is, but that's a pretty cool place to go see a game as well. Yeah. I'm trying, I mean, I've, I've been around most of the big, big 10 stadiums. Well, like I said, you know, I was trying to like with the big house, it's, it's, I mean, for how many fucking people it holds, it's not loud at all because again, it just spreads out, you know, there, there's nothing there to really hold in the sound of 107,000 people. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, they haven't really had anything to, to cheer about in about 20 years. So, um, but no, I mean, you know, being in Knoxville as long as I was, I've, I've been again throughout the southeast, just like you, pretty much every damn stadium down there. But the car- the Carrier Dome up there in Syracuse, I mean, that's just a cool, weird, unique thing because it's the only well, except for people who maybe share an NFL stadium some of the time now, the the only domed, uh, you know, the college sports stadium, and it's it was weird and cool. <laughs> like what? Why, why, why does this team have a, you know, cause like that, that was when having a dome was like the pinnacle of, mm-hmm. of American sports stuff. You're like, what the fuck? Why does Syracuse have a dome? Up here? Yeah. Um, why is it named after an air conditioning yeah. company, but it's hot <laughs> as hell. Uh, yeah. Cause they didn't put fucking air conditioning in the damn thing. God. I, I, I always loved it. Well, I mean, Memorial stadium where, where U of I plays is pretty cool. Um, it, it was funny watching the Chicago Bears play there for the year or whatever that, that, that they had to do it because that that is definitely I mean that that is one of the most college looking college stadiums that you can possibly you know it's the horseshoe mm-hmm. shape where they added the extra end zone seating and just everything like that. Um, well, and, th- and then actually Ryan Field where uh, Northwestern plays. I mean, it's again it's. Well, it's in a neighborhood, which is something that most of the college stadiums are, you know, uh, they're, they're not like our, our pro stadiums that are built pretty much all now exclusively in exurbs, surrounded by parking lots, you know, and there's very little character to them. There's a reason that people romanticize like Wrigley Field uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to Comiskey Park, you know, um, but Ryan Field is very cool, tucked into that little neighborhood there in Evanston. 
uh, obviously a, a program not not with a lot of not with a lot of history. You know, they're, they're one Rose Bowl that uh, everybody who's ever gone there will tell you about. <laughs> but I, I do. I, I remember. Um, well, yeah, I'll, I'll save this. I'll save this for later because we're, we're coming back to Ryan Field of mine. And I'll tell you one other thing that, you know, when Neyland, um Neyland is that I actually had French class in Neyland Stadium <laughs> when I was at UT because I, I got my, uh, I've ever given my schedule freshman year, you know, and I got, like I got, I picked UT out of a hat. I wasn't very familiar with it. And the internet wasn't uh, as much of a thing back then where you could find out every damn thing in the world. And so I got my, my schedule and it was like, what did it say? It said N N L N D uh H L L. I was like, Neyland, what the fuck is Neyland Hall? Like what how the you know, so like I'm walking, I'm looking on the map, I'm looking for all this shit, and I finally they're like, Oh no, no, no. It's you know, somebody explained to me where it's at. So I'm I finally I go around to the south side of the stadium thinking that there's gonna be a you know, a building fairly adjacent to it. There's no room for anything there. And finally I see somebody walk into the <laughs> the stadium. I was like, What Oh no no, Neyland Hall's right here. Yeah, you're you're down here on the left. I was like, so I, I just have class in the 102 thousand seat football stadium. All right, yeah, th- th- this makes sense. This this works. <laughs> well, they are frequently, uh, you know, academic buildings as well. I know that yeah. Florida State caught a, a lot of hell for this because it looked like they were canceling class for uh for a football game which i wouldn't put it past them but uh i know that like florida state for example can't host any thursday night games ever because they they have a massive amount of classes that take place within the building that's attached to the stadium and uh for the reason you're you're discussing exactly they really can't do both at the same time so um, yes, there is some semblance of education there, even if the football <laughs> players themselves don't uh, necessarily get one uh, all the time. They still have to try to at least put on the uh, the display for the rest of the students to be able to justify that uh, tuition. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think our two schools are pretty well versed in. Um, well, athletes maybe not going to going to class so yeah. much. <laughs> Keep them, <laughs> keep them nice and eligible. Absolutely. That's it. Everybody's a communications major. Look at that. All right, but you know, a quick break here. We'll come back with part two. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back to uh, part two here on the Special Crow Pod. Of course, we're by Ingram Smith talking about the college football. If you like, as always, everything we do here on the Crow Pod, scroll down, hit the Buy Me a Coffee link, give us a hand. You win some stuff. If you're a Rangers supporter from our good friends over there at The Famous. Uh, and actually, well, I mean, I just had John Townsend on, who's a buddy of mine, an author, uh, talking about U.S. soccer and the problems that that's facing. So we're giving away at least one copy of his book. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, try to, I try to make it fun for everybody. I try to do all that. But... Uh, you know, I, I mean, back here with the college football, you know, the, the thing I, I didn't think about this until uh, I was watching. Um, I was watching our last game there, the, the Florida game, which God damn it. I mean, uh, again, I hate that fucking stadium. I hate everything. But I hate Steve Spurrier still. I hate fucking Danny Warfel. I hate Fred Taylor. I hate fucking everything that ever has to do with any part. God damn it. I fucking hate Florida. But, you know, the, the aerial shots. Because that, that game was being broadcast back in the UK, and a lot, a lot of the you know Crowpod listeners, Rangers supporters, and everybody were getting involved and watching the game. And like again, the, how you have this massive, massive, massive stadium that's tucked in to a corner of campus. You know, I I lived my my apartment was like four blocks down the street. Though. So I mean, I just get up, tailgate all fucking. You know, you start at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, another thing that I don't 
don't think people can quite wrap their head around to go to a, a seven o'clock kickoff. You know, so you're out there for 13 hours in the sun, getting drunk. And then, uh, yeah, you, you walk the four blocks down the street to, to go to Neyland Stadium with 102,000 other people. I mean, the, the the tailgate, the tailgate aspect, I I miss it. I'm glad I'm not there anymore because at my age, I don't think I would survive it. It's, uh, it's a beautiful part of it, though, and I certainly know what you're talking about. I mean, when I went and uh, Florida State played LSU to open the game, open the season this year in New Orleans and – I, uh, as somebody in my late thirties, I, you know, went back and tried to act like I was 23 again for two days and, uh, it went okay. But, uh, yeah, no, that is a, a tough thing to do. And and that is one part of this that I think is fully, uh, transmittable. For example, like I went to a, I went to a very small college in Virginia, D3 school, um, that has a football team and a football program and, uh, nothing that anybody, you know, loses sleep over or anything else like that. But, you know, they, they have, they're competitive and good for their division. But, I mean, you would. You wake up at 8 o'clock, start drinking, and, um, you know, for the D3 game that you're going to go watch at 1 o'clock yep. in the afternoon. It's uh, And, and 12,000 drunk people would go there and yell at a D3 game on a beautiful afternoon in Virginia. And that was pretty awesome. But, um, no, the tailgating part of it is – uh, is unique, is incredible, and is also where you get like some of the more bonkers experiences. Like you go to Ole Miss and there's chandeliers and tents and stuff like that. And people are, you know, putting out like a very high end spreads. So you go to, you know, a game in Houston and you might eat hot dogs in a parking lot served off of a gas burner or whatever. So you, you get, <laughs> you know, you get a little bit of everything, but the tailgate aspect does tend to be, you know, fairly true across the board. Uh, if, you know, there are variances in, uh, in deployments and, you know, some of the more, uh, dressier aspects of it, but, uh, tailgate is, is unique to college football and is one of the things that makes it so fantastic. Well, see, we, we'd actually, um, after we were all done with school and, you know, had more money than sense, and we're still trying to, as you said, re- relive our early twenties, even though our, our years were rapidly advancing. Uh, we, we bought a, a, a short bus um, that the engine ran and that was about all we cared about because it <laughs> needed to go six miles from one of our buddy's houses down to the tailgate and I, it completely tore it out, retrofitted it, mounted televisions in the doors so that when you open the doors up, we had TVs to sit there and watch, you know, if you got a six o'clock, seven o'clock kickoff, you're still out there the second the sun comes up and you got college football to watch all day. <laughs> And you know, we had a, there, there was a grill that folded out, um, tables that slid out from under. I mean, it was just one soul confined, you know, self, self-confined, the, the tailgate machine that every year we, you know, you, you spend another few thousand dollars and add something new to it. And then, you know, at some point you finally go, well, fuck, I'm, I'm not sure we can do anything else to this thing anymore. <laughs> I, I believe I, who, I, whoever's still got down there, I think it sells a Twitter account. Uh, I mean, if you look up like Tennessee bus or something like that, it should still come up. But yeah, you know, I mean, for, for us, that, that was a big, I remember like the first year we started taking tents out in the morning and it was like, all right, that's a big step. You know, mm-hmm. we, we got the nice pop-up tents and then, you know, okay, we've got matching chairs this year. Hold it. Ooh, man. <laughs> but uh, no, when we upped it to the, uh, to the literally bought a vehicle specifically for tailgating and nothing else. That was, uh, yeah, I, I, that was, that, that's an adulthood move. The, the kids aren't doing that one. <laughs> that is a, a very much an adulthood move and a, and a strong move. And, and also, you know, some of the things that uh, become the, the high points of entertainment during the day is, you know, I mean, just, just as Rangers fans, if we, if we all arrived at Aberdeen four hours earlier and we're sitting there drinking, watching TV, well, what would, could be the next best thing? Well, we'd be watching Celtic lose to, you know, yes. whoever. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's what you do at your Tennessee tailgate. You get set up and you're like, oh, wait, Georgia's in a competitive game with Kent State? Well, we're watching that one. Uh, you know, oh, Alabama's got a chance to lose to to whoever today. That That's what comes on. So it's, uh, you know, you can have some pretty – some pretty fantastic moments as uh, as you kind of enjoy everybody else's Saturday misery uh, as it <laughs> occasionally presents itself. So, well, it, 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 the, I mean, the tailgates too—they'll throw some pretty unique 
moments because he i mean look people are going to show up right i mean it doesn't if they're former players or you know whoever whoever people people celebrities throughout the community whatever the fuck it is but i we we were it was more of a house party i guess than a proper tailgate but it was it was in the fort in uh in ut which is like the you know the student the the off-campus student housing section you know mm-hmm. so it's right across cumberland avenue there and we're, we're at our buddy's house and um peyton peyton manning of course uh the, the great nfl quarterback but tennessee volunteer was back uh it was he was getting uh his his number put into the the ring of fame you know they're basically retiring the number 16 and uh, um he just opened up a new hotel in the fort that was right across the street from my buddy's house, you know, where he was renting. And so we're there. And at some point, you know, we're all outside. We're drunk. We're cooking hot, you know, grilling brats, fucking whatever, throwing the football around, playing cornhole, doing all the usual shit. And we, we realized there's, there's some a Tennessee state trooper, which you well know in the South, you, you can pick out a state troopers hat from quite a damn distance away. <laughs> is uh walking over with that wide brim bill and the guy that i think i was the only one to recognize him at first and then people started waking up but it was it was archie archie manning of course peyton and eli's dad and the other one Uh, and uh he comes over and he's shooting the shit has a hot dog he's telling us some stories for a little bit just wanted to have a beer and get out of the hotel because you know they're doing all this business shit and uh, he said, well, you know, Peyton's got a pretty busy schedule, but I'll see, you know, we'll see if we can get him over here. And we're like, oh, yeah, all right. You know, whatever. Sure. 90 minutes later, here comes the state trooper with a couple more and Peyton's wife and uh, e- Eli's wife was there for it. And of course, Archie and Mrs. Manning. And here's Peyton Manning coming down out of the hotel, comes over, has a beer, <laughs> has a hot dog. And we're like, we got to get him to throw some. So somebody went and grabbed another football. And we all just stood out there, like running down the street, running fly routes. I remember like, like I'm my dead sprint. Like, God damn it. Just catch us. Just catch us. And, you know, I stopped paying attention and ran into a parked Buick, but hung on to the damn ball. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, yes, that's yeah. all I had to do was make sure I hung. Cause it's going to be the most perfectly thrown ball I've ever seen in my fucking life. So. It is. Yeah. And. Nobody else listening to this ever caught a ball from Peyton Manning, so See? good for you. Yes. Exactly. That's no, I, I mean, no, he was great. Well, like Todd Helton, you know, who was Peyton's mm-hmm. backup and, of course, a great Major League Baseball. But he'd just show up and, you know, just hang out and drink with people. I mean, it's just it, – it's it's one of the parts of the culture of the sport that, you know, like you said, it'll cross – yeah, you, you're going to have the hoity-toity. Like you said, Ole Miss is a perfect fucking example. You know, it's they've got the help out there making sure that, that the seafood served up properly, but it, it's still a divide. You know, it crosses all, all social divides and everybody's just out there for six to 12 hours getting fucking wasted. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that is, uh, that's incredible. That's one of the better stories I've, I've heard. About, well, was, that uh, was a good joking. day, man. Oh, yeah, I remember too. Incredible. Well, we had a banner up that, you know, we, we made well the, the classic bed sheet and spray paint that said, mm-hmm. Peyton, you are the man in, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it worked god damn it. <laughs> oh man all right so now this is different and again this is something people who don't really get the college sports thing don't understand but there are players that we love for specifically what they did in college who didn't translate to the nfl who or or maybe or maybe you know sometimes you get guys who are much 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 better in the nfl than than you know being the the cult hero or whatever the hell they were at their school. But who's, who was your favorite college football player uh, of, of your lifetime here? Mm, that's tough. I was fortunate. You know, I was, I was a fan of Florida state growing up and kind of, they've kind of a best evolved into what Alabama is right now, I guess. Yep. Uh, so it's hard to say, you know, the first original one was, uh, I don't know that I ever really like saw Dion play at Florida State, but I kind of knew of it, and and that led into a lot of other really good Florida State teams during that period of time. Uh, Charlie Ward was a Heisman Trophy winner for Florida State uh, early in the day, but I'll, I'll tell you that Shane, um, the answer, the name is a guy by the name of George Lombard, and he never played college football. He 
um, was a, a local kid here who uh, was uh, his senior year of high school was rated the number one running back uh, in the country, had offers to Tennessee, USC, Florida yeah. State, all the all the programs of of that day and time. Um, and he ended up being drafted by the Braves uh, and was a second round pick of the Braves and ended up going into baseball rather than football. But he was exceptionally close with my cousin. I was able to get like at, at age 10, a really inside view of the recruiting process. And that kind of led to me to believe to be in just like a, a at age 11 or 12, like a full blown recruiting addict, uh, figuring out where these kids <laughs> were going to go to to college. And that's kind of how I broke in, in the media was, uh, was following recruiting originally. So, um, a lot of it ties back to a kid who, uh, happened to be this Ballyhooed recruit out of Atlanta here, uh, when I was 10 years old or so. And it gave me a level of exposure to, uh, to that process that I would have never had otherwise. Yeah. And ironically enough, the guy's got a chance to be the, uh, manager of the Atlanta Braves at some point in time. I think he's, he was the second uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then he moved yeah, to the he's, Detroit uh, franchise right now. So yep. still bouncing around in baseball as well. Yeah. His, his, his name crops up every single time. There's one of them jobs. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, you mentioned the, the, the baseball football crossover. Of course, Deion Sanders, famous Bo Jackson, famous Tennessee. Of course we, we had Condrich Holloway, who was the first black quarterback mm-hmm. in, in the sec. Uh, had a great career in, in the CFL. Uh, our Canadian friends, uh, Todd, Todd fucking loves him. Mm-hmm. But he, he was actually drafted in Major League Baseball uh, ahead of Mike Schmidt, George Brett, and Jim Rice. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> Did not know but, that. Yeah. But no, he, he decided that he'd stick it out with the with the football. I'll tell you what, man, one of the nicest fucking guys in Knoxville, too. I mean, still, I, he's got, he's got your classic old football player knees, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of, he kind of pivots like, uh, like Hank Hill's dad there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a central central point that his body just kind of wiggles around as he moves forward, but they am just a, a great, great old guy. And like I said, I mean, one of those, is he going to play baseball? Is he going to do football? Or well, you get the odd Tony Gonzalez or somebody like that too, whether, whether it's going to be basketball or football, but I, I, my favorite player by far, and the most ex- one of the most exciting athletes I've ever seen, like right in there with like Ichiro Suzuki or Javi Baez, you know, so, so these players where you're like every single time you see him do something, you're like, I'm never going to see that again. I've never seen that before and I'm never going to see that again. You know, and, and it doesn't always have to be the, the biggest, most groundbreaking play, that you, but just like that the, the, they're doing stuff in their head that every other player on the field isn't thinking of. And it was the great Tennessee safety and great Kansas City Chiefs safety, uh, Eric Berry. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. there was one season there where he was completely unplayable on the park. Every time, if he came up with an interception or a fumble, there was a goddamn good chance it was going back. I think I think he had be, between uh, you know his, his, his turnover returns, and he also handled kick and punt return duty for us that year. I think he had eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And this is a defensive player. You know, I remember – we we were um i, I want to say it was texas a&m or arkansas i can't remember but we, we had tickets in the in the north end zone at neyland which is more of a gentrified section <laughs> of the stadium i would say you know um more 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 season ticket holders that have had them for you know a generation or two and he uh you know he lined back well, he, he'd already he'd already just about taken an interception back. I think he had a seventy-three yard return. They, they they got him down about the four yard line, and then uh, he's back to return a punt, and sure as shit, you know, breaks it. And I'm jumping out of my seat, and I need some poor old son of a bitch in front of me in the back of the head. And, and this is when Neyland was still dry. You know, the the UT campus pretended like alcohol didn't exist, so you couldn't even do the thing of let me buy you a beer. <laughs> um, but fuck, I mean, he was just unbelievable. The only other player in my lifetime that comes close is another one. That's, that's just, well, lives in your nightmares is the Roy Williams from Oklahoma, because some of the shit that he could do as a safety, it, it, again, you, you get, you can get players in college football. They're just unplayable. 
you know, like, like a Ronaldo or, or Messi or somebody like that, where you just go, well, fuck it. I don't know what we're going to Deion Sanders. You couldn't throw to his side of the field, you know? Yeah, you do. Uh, it is, you know, that, that level of player that still jumps out at you that is so clearly, you know, destined for Sundays and, and to know that you've got a, a year or two left with that guy uh, yeah. is remarkable. And then I always find it interesting how many of Tennessee's greats come from the Atlanta area and Georgia in general. And when Tennessee's cooking, they've got to go uh, outside the state of Tennessee to get some of the better players of the South. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had the ability to do that. But yeah, Cozy Coleman, Dion, uh, what was it? Dion, what was that safety's name that I'm blanking on uh, that was from Augusta? Uh, Dion. Oh, fuck. Um, Shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jamal Lewis, Deion Grant, Kosey yeah. Coleman, all, all, all the pillars of the 98 national championship team that were from Georgia there. And, yeah. uh, and then it's also interesting thing that you see in college football. Like, uh, so my dad's from Chattanooga. Uh, but when you go up to you know, Chattanooga, this town city that sits on kind of the border of North Carolina or of, uh, Georgia and Tennessee. And, uh, you know, it's all Georgia territory. And then when you get up to about Dalton, all of a sudden, like the final 35 miles of, of Tennessee turn into, or of Georgia turn into Tennessee territory. And like <laughs> you, you see these little border areas that, um, you know, when you're driving along the Southern Georgia border in Thomasville and uh, that area, you'll, you'll see a ton of Florida state people because Florida state's only 40 miles away, despite it being the state of Georgia. And uh, it's interesting to see how that plays out. And some of the, ties that exist within states and how that impacts recruiting and all sorts of other stuff. But college football is, uh, oh, it's just the best. And, uh, I've, I've loved being able to come on here and talk with you about it today. This has been a lot of fun. No, it's been great. It's been great. All right, well, last quick, quick one. Then we'll get the hell out of here. Fa- favorite game. Favorite that, game that, that you've been at favorite game that you've been at. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, that's tough, man. I, I've been to many uh, Florida, Florida State games. Those are oh, probably yeah. my favorite ones. Uh, I've been to a couple Miami, Florida State uh, games, but never when both teams were fully, you know, at, at their peak power. They, uh, they rarely, I mean, outside of the early 90s, and I don't think you want to relive those moments either. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I was gonna torture you further and bring both the wide rights with me, but uh, I'm I'm a nice guy. So. Yeah, I can tell <laughs> nothing but nice guy all, all the time. Uh, no, those those the any of the floor, late '90 Florida State Florida games uh, yeah. all stand out to me. I I, t- I mean, you know, I, Tennessee obviously was never all that great in any of my time living there. I I kind of I, I got the UT at the wrong point, but. Um, so, so pl- plenty of great fucking moments down there. Plenty of great. Well, I, I'm, you know, we, we barely hung on the beat in Northern Illinois with uh, one of my cousins was playing quarterback for NIU. So I mean, that was, that, that, that was a fun, fun thing to watch down there. But um, I, the, my favorite best college football game I ever went to, it was, it was Northwestern ending Ohio state's undefeated run mm. at Ryan field. I think, what was it? 34, 35 games in a row. Ohio state won at that point. And we went, it was one of my old baseball coaches and um, uh, his kid. And then the, the, the place kicker in Northwestern team, Joel house, he, he was our catcher in high school. And obviously I played soccer with him. Uh, he was the place kicker on the football team. He played basketball, you know, he, was, he did everything for, for, for sport letterman. And uh, he had an awful game, fucking terrible. And we, and we gone there, we, we didn't have tickets. And so we just waited we did the old wait, wait for the uh, 75 year old man to turn around. That's uh, that, that's guarding the gate. And then just walk in, you know, and uh, sat up in the student section and it was getting down near the end. And, uh, you know, we, we got this me and Joe, my, my old coach and buddy and uh, his kid who I, th- I think Colin at the time was maybe six years old, you know, and the students are clearly about to come down behind us. So I was like, all right, Second, the whistle's over. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna. You throw Colin down to me. I'll help you get down. Because if if you're ever in a field rush situation like that, you you gotta go. You know, if you sit, you're gonna get run over. And so we end up down there. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll go find Joel. So I go running around. You know, I see him hopping around. He's going. I come walking up. He's like, 
I fucking sucked. It didn't fucking matter. We still fucking won. <laughs> we fucking beat Ohio State. <laughs> He's like, oh, Shane. Oh, this is fucking awesome. Like, oh, man. Uh, it was just a, it was such a great moment. You know, like just everything about that game, sneaking into it just for the hell of it. You know, it, it was just, it was a good, good fun day up there in, in Evanston and, and something that, uh, I don't, I, every once in a while, Joel will send me a text. He's like, you know, you're the only person that knows me that saw me on that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, buddy. <laughs> no, right. Those are brilliant. I mean, that, that, uh, when you go there and there's kind of like this feel in the air that something may happen that hadn't happened for, for a long time and the students are into it. And this isn't an attempt to put the ball back in your court of misery, but I, I was never, <laughs> never to be confused with a Georgia fan growing up, but I <laughs> went to a lot of Georgia games uh, and I was there, I think in 2000, it was the first time they had beat Tennessee in seven years or eight years or something yeah. like that. And yeah. um, again, I'm not a big dog fan, but it was, it was fun just to see the, you know, the energy and the, the idea of, Hey, we might get this done for the first time in a long time uh, is, is what makes, makes college football pretty great. So, well, I, I think that, you know, just to finish up with Georgia there too, I, I, you know, look, our, our rivalry with Florida might be the one that's gotten more attention over the past few decades. Of course, Alabama on the third Saturday in October, mm-hmm. but I love beating Georgia more than fucking anything. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to that kind of shit. And I, I, like I said, I mean, the, the, the gauntlet of the schedule here for us is coming up. LSU is still, even if they're down, they're still fucking LSU, you know? But get through them just to get set up for for Alabama, which you know, hey, if we can knock them off, I mean that that's that that's that turnaround, you know, like like you're talking about there with with Georgia knocking us off at the end of the the great Fulmer run of the late '90s and early 2000s, or you know what what you guys are going through now. I mean, at some point, there's that one game where you kind of go, "Fuck, I, th- I think we're actually back." Yep, <laughs> there there absolutely is. There really yep. is. You're right about that. So well. There we go. Hopefully you guys understand college football a little bit more. I don't know. You know, if you need a team, obviously, again, the, the one dressed in orange that goes by the volunteers should be the, the one that you, you gravitate more. But you know, I, I guess, I mean, Florida State's acceptable but most of the time. And they're not Florida. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> they're, they're not Florida. I will say that, uh, you know, being a Rangers supporter has made me reevaluate my relationship with Orange. Uh, <laughs> you know, as, as an eight-year-old, it was pretty safe if it was Orange. I wasn't about it because that basically would block you out of, uh, you know, Clemson, Miami, Florida, and then you have the odd circumstance where you'd have to tangle with Tennessee or something like yeah. that. But, uh no, it's uh, it's it's the best there is, at least on this side of the Atlantic, and it was fun to be able to talk about it. Absolutely, thank you, Ingram. Uh, Ingram, they can find you on Twitter. What at Ingram Smith and Nolcast is at Nolcast, correct? That is correct, absolutely. And of course, uh, you can find them on the Heart and Hand on the American Sports Shows over there. Oh, if we get bored, we might come back and do it again sometime. But like I said, at least hopefully y'all got a little bit of idea about college football. So thanks again for listening to Crow Pod, and we'll talk to y'all soon. See ya. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. You can't get fucking serious at all.